heart is falling for you Hide the keys to my car, baby, let me hold you You know they say our pace is racing But in your eyes I'll gaze erasing time by those uh, soothing tunes by, of course, a local band out of Provo or um, well, I don't know where you want them to be from, but they're definitely from Utah. That's Hollow Hill coming up strong, starting up the podcast. And uh, if you don't know them, uh, just know, I, hey, man, my soul's not for sale. All right. And that's the first song that really drew my attention to them. So if you... Uh, if you don't find this podcast of any value, maybe you'll find their music uh, enjoyable. Go check them out. The link's below on the Spotify and uh, what have you that I'll leave in the description of the podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. Not a lot has changed since the last time I was here. Honestly, I do feel like I wanted to address this issue just right off the bat. It feels a little strange as... I listened to perhaps the, you know, the echo echo chambers I find myself in, which are podcasts that I listen to. And some of them are talking about, and I've talked about this as well, I'm guilty of it, World War III, the Russians, you know. And 
all that all that stuff and it feels eerily reminiscent of when uh you I, well, well, when was it 2020 i, I fucking my memory's blanking on me here but when donald trump former president donald trump was a novice and everybody was like world war three world war three but in reality right uh world war three never really occurred and i feel like maybe we're in the same kind of i understand there's a war in ukraine i understand we're funding it but the whole idea that world war three is even on the table and I fed into this fear cycle, guilty of it. You know what I mean? Uh, I apologize. But I'm a, I'm honestly turning the corner on this and saying, maybe it's a fake out. Maybe the, and the reason I, I came to this conclusion is just looking back at all the other times people said, World War Three, And just, you know, I don't know, man. So my, my whole point is, maybe we're not really that close to World War Three. And uh, it's just really good for the news and people's like posts if World War Three's in the title because everybody would like that. If if World War Three's in the title of whatever you're posting, people are like, whoa, 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 what's this? What's this? We're we're talking about World War Three. Um, so I think it gets everybody titulated. What's the word? Titulated. I don't know. Gets everybody excited. Okay. And here's the truth. I've really been thinking about this a lot recently, and I'm going to actually declare my position firmly on this. I am 100% pro World War III in any capacity. Now, I understand what that means. It's like, uh, sounds terrible. And maybe it is terrible. But um, I really believe that, man, I'm probably going to lose some people here on this, but the world might be better off with a massive calling uh through military conflict and i've I, I don't know how i got to this position uh but i've just been thinking about it and you know and i was thinking to myself you know what why not uh that maybe that'd be a good thing if you know people got drafted a lot of people because here's here's what i was thinking so many people have problems in their day-to-day life, right? And a problem for a lot of these people is what they got called as a pronoun. You know what I mean? And I want to get back, and I don't know if this is a good thing, but to some more original problems. Like uh, if we're doing Maslow's hierarchy, maybe like food, shelter. Like let's start solving some of those problems. Okay, folks? So I, I think that People have too many superficial problems. And I'm not saying your problems don't matter. But they don't. But uh, in my opinion, they absolutely don't fucking matter. Uh, Just like my problems in my personal life don't matter to typically almost 99.9% of the people in this world. Um, So, I don't know, man. That's just where I'm at. And I thought I was going to have a lot more to say about that, but I don't. Um, and I saw, was it, I don't know if this was a real article. I apologize for typing. Um, I don't know if Biden really made these comments, uh, but for for some people who don't know, I've been making several predictions for World War Three because that's what I do. Um one of the things I said was 
Well, you'll know World War Three will definitely if a World War Three were mobilization of human lives and uh, military draft occurs. You'll know that's imminent when they close the loopholes to the current draft problems in the United States. And some of those draft problems, right, um, include, I would say, the fact that women aren't able to be drafted, but um, people, because they the rapid development of, you know, progression of people's rights and what have you, um, people might transition away from manhood. So we're looking at here... Um, and the point of this is I heard President Biden or maybe the executive branch give some remarks uh, in regards to the draft. That being um, the draft still pertains as of the law uh, to what your birth record states. Now, first of all, I was just thinking about this. The people in the military now um, and anybody in the military, I think the facade of it is a, it should be diminished. But what's happened is, I think at a very young age, right, the propaganda system in the United States has developed strong uh, positive reinforcement uh, conditioning pathways towards individuals who play video games where their main objective is to eliminate the enemy team. So, in other words, there's a lot of violent video games, right? where individuals play them young and they find that it's highly rewarding to hit a target, which unfortunately the target is <laughs> whatever the government deems to be. But I feel like most of these individuals, uh, males who play video games, what's happening is there's a part of the human brain in my, my stupid little mind. I think this, that, uh, is obsessed for men with targeting and hitting a target. And this is due to hunting. So whether it's uh, whether, whether it's a bow and arrow or a spear or a rock, whatever humans were doing, like if it was a rock and a bug, feels really good, I think, for male humans to aim at a target and hit a target. And so knowing this, the Behavioral psychologists have partnered with video game companies and the military-industrial complex to prey off this archaic, you know, part of our DNA and s develop some type of programming where individuals once, you know, think about this. You play, I don't know when individual kids start playing Fortnite, okay? I really don't know. But just imagine whenever they start playing Fortnite, let's say six years old, they, they just get in the habit of like aiming at something, shooting something, killing something. And then they go on six to 16. That's 10 years. Give them two more. That's 12. Uh, now they're 18 years old. They just graduated high school. And they're like, you know what? I think they've been playing these video games for 12 years. I think I'd find it rewarding to shoot at people and... <laughs> shoot at a target right and get reinforced which is what happens in the military and the military basically says if you hit your target you win son and i think our country has pivoted in some instance of its military pro propaganda and programming where i would imagine previously our country relied mainly on propaganda like the most recent top gun movie 
where it was uh, primarily, you would say, actors and actresses or whatever playing these roles were gun solve problems, blah, blah, blah. And now they've changed the propaganda from uh, passive audience member. So you used to have individuals sitting, for example, in a movie theater or maybe even on their own couch passively watching the propaganda to propaganda where individuals are now participatory in the process. So one big cycle change in our country is from passive um, audience type propaganda to participatory propaganda. So where I'm drawing towards, what I'm drawing towards is that before the propaganda the military used to put out, you would just watch and passively observe and then the military is like, you know what is better than Rambo and Top Gun is if we can do these, I don't know, how about military type style games where kids are flying drones and shooting people and killing, uh, let's just do, how about Russians or bad Asian guys? <laughs> or uh, here's a good one, how about terrorists sometimes? So they developed this participatory propaganda that preys off of this part of the male human brain that is designed for you know hitting a target uh, aiming at a target and hitting a target if that makes sense um and yo this is a live podcast podcast i do have maverick maverick pilgrim uh joining me on this rumble experience so uh, thank you maverick pilgrim i will have a show uh coming up next week with maverick it'll, it'll be uh, for those who don't know, I'm trying to expand my Rumble presence. And to do that, I'm going to have a couple exclusive podcast Rumbles. So Maverick Pilgrim, you can find him on Instagram. And uh, he might be available on a few other platforms, YouTube as well. So go ahead and give his uh, content a gander. Go give it a look. And I'll be talking to him probably about whatever we want to talk about. Usually just a good conversation, a good chat. Uh, about maybe the day's news who knows it'll be a good time uh for sure it was it'll be at least nice for me to talk to uh somebody else on a in a podcast style format and it'll also be nice to create some exclusive content you will only be able to find on rumble and i hope uh, everybody will appreciate that little effort and um expanding my arms absolutely and this gets into some uh, other interesting topics. I also was recently recommended a, a platform called Odyssey. Haven't looked at it yet, um, but I imagine someone said it's similar to Rumble, similar to YouTube, and I'll, you know maybe I'll give it a look and expand it. Um, but I'm trying to consolidate my content to one stream. Um, and I find that when you get... One, as far as a content creator goes, once you have really good, you know, once you have a really strong stream of content, then you might divert and create multiple podcasts, multiple shows. But right now, I'm still trying to create one, um, just just one at one stream, man. I, I I can't really, I'm not too diverse yet. Uh, that's one of, one of my things, anti diversity, man. I'm still trying to just be me, and uh, maybe Maverick Pilgrim said we can talk about anything. Um, maybe I, I assume Ma Maverick's not in I like Odyssey more than Rumble. Cool. All right. So 
maybe me and Maverick can talk about the plight of content creators and uh, the the problem of choices. I, if you don't know, and you're catching this podcast, I moved over to Rumble as a place to host my video format of my podcast because I I got two strikes on YouTube, and this is a a quick um, what's it called. I guess breakdown of what I was talking about. I was talking about polio and COVID and vaccines. Um, and ding, ding, ding. Can't talk. Can't talk about that. So, which is, you know, breaks my heart. You, you can't even talk about this stuff because it's actually in the news. You can't talk about polio in any critical thought process or in, in any way you really want to without having your content removed from the internet. So, um, we get a. We got to think about that as far as like what's going on and why is that? You know, why are some things just you're not allowed to talk about? Um, I'll have to check out Odyssey for sure. We got, um, we got Maverick Pilgrim's approval on that, so uh, that's good for me. Uh, I I'll expand to both, I'm sure. But, yeah, it's frustrating for me to not be able to talk about what I want, and so. What I'm going to leave my YouTube as, I, I imagine if I don't get another strike, I remove most of my recent content. So, um, I just I just try to say, buffer it. So, whatever I have now is kind of a time capsule, but I'm going to be getting on YouTube now. And just for, just, I don't know if I'm really committed to this yet, but um, I'm going to be using it to maybe hop on panel shows um, or debate topics and right now i'm interested and maybe i can talk to maverick about this uh anarchy because <laughs> a lot of people seem confused about what anarchy is and for me as an anarchist there's this miscon misconception i think well it, it makes sense because uh i think anarchy is so outside of the peripheral of most people that um, nobody really understands what it is. And anybody who does take, I would say, a stance of anarchy, um, they're usually just uh, replicating somebody else's pattern of anarchy, which is how most philosophy goes, right? Um, but my form of anarchy and my vision and my understanding of the anarchy philosophy, from what I've seen, hasn't been really discussed or stated on debate platforms or panel platforms where people talk about anarchy because most people attribute the philosophy of anarchy to this idea that um, anarchy is something that me as an anarchist, I want to live in a state of anarchy, which is, and uh, before let me lay this groundwork, there's so many kinds of anarchists. Like you might find Christians, like you might have a Protestant, a Catholic, an Orthodox, an Amish, a, a Mormon, so just like that, you might have a socialist anarchist, an individualist anarchist, a communist anarchist, an anarcho-capitalist, an anarchist minimist. Like the the amount of potential anarchy possibilities you might find yourself in are so different. So you could be an anarchist and actually be advocating for a state of anarchy. And I think that's crazy. Um I don't know why anybody would live, want to live in a state of anarchy, even as an anarchist. That's, I think that's crazy. <laughs> but um, so me as an anarchist, and specific, more specifically as an individual anarchist, 
it's a it's a personal philosophy, right? So as an individual anarchist, I don't believe in an anarchist state. In other words, I don't believe in changing the state into anything. It doesn't matter to me that whatever the state is doesn't matter because I was born into it and I just live with it. So um, like many anarchists before me, uh, does, they do, it really doesn't matter what state they're born in. They, they're, the anarchist is an individual philosophy. And um, but how do we get there? Yeah, anarcho-capitalism is pretty legit. And how do we get to something like that? And what Maverick Pilgrim in the chat right now in Rumble is refer referring to is a is a concept or a philosophy which is espoused by anarchists who are also somewhat collectivists. Now, I think that that's an oxymoron, right? That's the whole – an anarchist who's a collectivist is – what is it? The anti-social social club, right? Because I don't get these individuals. Um, they remind they pretty much are libertarians and they identify with part and parcels of the anarchist concept. And I I mean, I disagree with a lot of anarchy. I disagree with anarchy. So any anarchist who's attaches themselves to a system, I don't think you're a real anarchist, right? In other words, if you're an anarchist and you're in Antifa, you're not an anarchist. You you are a part of a group. You're in a collective. That's not anarchy. That's collectivism. You found a group. Anarchy is individualism. It's something outside of the system. And I think, you know, just like the state is there and I have to just deal with it, so is the environment. Like, I live in a desert. So I have to deal with the desert. An anarchist just deals with whatever is around them at that moment. And they are purely fo purely focused on the individual, which is themselves, and their own soul, and whatever that means, right? And so, of course, you know, there are the anarcho-capitalists who, you know, they are collectivists. I have nothing wrong with anybody who is an anarchist and a collectivist. I just don't see how those things go together but they do for for those individuals um and i do like some of their personal thoughts perhaps on how to bring about more cohesive collective group but i don't know man then you're still participating in this state and attaching yourselves to something that is a larger whole and then at that point it's like why even be an anarchist like what are you doing um just go Get the badge of whatever team you want to be on and put the badge on you. Like, I don't know why everybody wants to be on a team. And so I get it, but I don't get it. I really don't get collective anarchists on almost any fundamental level. And I don't believe in anarchy as a state. I think anarchy is just purely uh, an individual philosophy uh, and that can be curtailed to each person and I and I've thought about this because you look at people who debate anarchy and they don't think any they're not saying the same arguments I am they're they're arguing anarcho-capitalist thoughts or working with the state being a part of the state also work like it's all a perspective of being a part of a group because that's where these individuals find themselves at the end of the day is you know in a group I think they meet in Acapulco which I think would be fun to go to to be around like my like-minded individuals but uh which is funny like imagine anarchy right but it's a collective somehow all these individuals who don't want to like i just i how do you make sense of this is it irony what is it um 
anarchists, man, going against the grain. But somehow they all agree to shake hands, meet in Acapulco, and talk about uh, the government. And I love it, man. And I need to uh, look more into it and check it out, see maybe when the next meeting is. So uh, maybe me and Maverick Pigum will definitely uh, give that uh, anarchy a talk, talk over, I guess. And by no means do I think anarchy is the as a philosophy is for everybody. Not everybody. Look, a lot of people aren't anarchists. Like they couldn't be one if they tried. It's, uh, I think the anarchy as an individual, like individual anarchy is for a select group of people, right? There are some people who I would say are more preconditioned towards, you know, being in a social group and that might be genetic and, uh, a part of their environment coupling together to make them more, you know, Always wanting to be a part of a team, a part of a group. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Uh, they're, by making money in the stream as an anarchist, now you're... Now, holy shit, Maverick. You're nuts, dude. This guy's fucking crazy. Anarcho-capitalist. Dude, I'm going to have to refund you as a true anarchist. Or maybe I won't, man. Thank you, dude. I didn't even know you could do that or how that works. Uh, but God bless you, Maverick Pilgrim. I think they call that Super Chats or something. Uh, I am an anarcho-capitalist. That's nuts, dude. You just did that. And that's a great point, Maverick. We're going to have more of a conversation about this soon. How do you... There are these philosophies where like, you can claim to be an anarchist. And I think this is true. When you are the, the most individual anarchist, everyone will look around you like you're... A, they'll try to label you what they think you are. And so if you do things for yourself, like Jeff Bezos, he did everything for himself. But everything he does is for everybody else. He looks altruistic. And in other words, Jeff Bezos is the guy who says to you, like, what do you want delivered to your door? I'll do it. Like, what kind of service is that? That is one of the highest level services you can do for somebody. And I don't know how much joy Jeff Bezos has brought to a lot of people, but it must be a lot. And he might look altruistic, but I think to me he looks anarchist and individualistic and maybe perhaps an anarcho-capitalist. Um, but I think my, my, my point is this perhaps, excuse me, that when you're anything, if you go far along enough, you come full circle. I mean, I still can't believe Maverick Pilgrim did that. You're a wild man, Maverick. Jesus Christ, that's crazy, dude. Thank you. Um, man. Maverick, one thing I like about you, dude, uh, you're talking about these these topics that uh, other people aren't talking about. And uh, what was the topic you brought up today on your Instagram, your most recent post, Maverick, if you don't mind uh, me also kind of riffing off it. I'm looking it up right now, dude. Oh, the King of England and how he's in charge of the church. I think that is one of the craziest uh, kind of concepts to think about. And for those who don't know, Maverick, I'm just gonna, if you don't mind, um, for everybody, this is Maverick Pilgrim. I'm going to change the, but I just felt like I needed to get it out there. Put it on. We're going to refresh this. Sorry about this. Felt like I needed to get it out there. Put it on record. Whatever. The King of England has no real religious power whatsoever. Let me all just carry on. I know it might seem random, but I just felt like...
So I, I think it's the reason I bring this up is for those that don't know, I uh, live in the state of Utah and I uh, attach the LDS religion, um, which we have a prophet. Uh, so it is always fascinating to me when you have these leaders of churches or groups who are bestowed powers where they're in touch or in tune with God. Now, I mean, I've kind of come into a recent group on YouTube, and I, maybe I'd like to talk to Maverick about this, but it's there's this debate subgroup, and some of those channels are, I guess, the Crucible. Um, and I just have found a, a few of these Christian uh, YouTube channels who are having these... I would say longer format discussions and I find it fascinating and my point bringing this up is one of the individuals in one of the debates was I guess how would you say for the authority of the Pope and just believing that in some sense these individuals are more in tune with what is righteous what is God and it's no different if individuals are Catholic than in my church in the LDS church where we have a prophet and this prophet in our church is directly in touch with God, like him and God are apparently, I think, breaking bread uh, in ways that me and God are not, I would say. Right. So um, I don't have the same powers. And if uh, maybe if you were to find uh, something similar, it would be the Dalai Lama. But even then, I don't think the Dalai Lama has nobody or any precedent of saying like he's talking to um Buddha or anybody else. I don't think the Dalai Lama's of that. I don't think the Dalai Lama has the authority to say that he speaks to something outside of this world. I don't think the Dalai Lama does. I'll have to look into that. Um, but a few church leaders do uh, take that position of authority of saying they're more in tune with God. And I find that interesting because some of that concept makes sense to me and resonates to me because I do believe we're all antennas, right? We are capable. Every human is capable of being in resonance or in tune with a higher spirit or the Lord or Christ. Um, and I think you can dilute your antenna or your ability to be in touch with uh, the Holy Spirit. And so it makes sense to me that, of course, some individuals. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Maverick. Maverick points out that Buddhism is difficult because they state they don't have a deity. There you go. Um, I'm just I was just trying to think of something outside of well, on the Eastern Orthodox where there's these individuals who are prophets or currently live on Earth and talking to individuals outside of Earth, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, and I don't know how how else to describe that is, but I do believe all humans have the power to do that. And some individuals might have more power or less power. And there's also this interesting concept of if you I'd like to know maybe if you're familiar with the Chris Bledsoe story, Maverick Pilgrim, uh, maybe we could talk about that. But um, this idea of individuals like Chris Bledsoe, he has a son named Ryan Bledsoe is a podcast called Bledsoe said so. Um, and Ryan Bledsoe's story is essentially that he came in contact with, um, uh, I would call it, 
uh, the they call it uh, Hathor, maybe the divine feminine energy. Um, ah, dude, why it's I can't really speak to it definitively because I don't feel like I'm a source of authority on it. Um, but what would they? But my point is this though: even if if it's a religion, you even still now have these individuals outside of religion, like Chris Bledsoe, right, who are in some sense stating that they are directly in tune with these entities outside of our physical dimension. And the reason I give Chris Bledsoe maybe credence or authority or I lend his statements to be more credible is because perhaps he is a stronger antenna to receive some of these uh, messages or signals from other entities. And what these entities are what you know what you call them what you label them i'm not in, i'm not entirely sure right um i do find it fascinating um i don't uh claim it to be anything other than what they say it is so if you're not familiar with that please go check it out i actually have a unique story about that um i got the opportunity to sit down next to Ryan Bledsoe uh at the 500th episode podcast of the tinfoil hat and when i was sitting next to him i had no idea i mean he mentioned he was on the tinfoil hat podcast um but i had no idea that he was ryan bledsoe i kind of just i wasn't really concerned about to be honest ryan at all or whether he was on the show or not i was just enjoying the fact that i was at a live comedy show or live podcast um but it is interesting how you know you there are these people and they're, I mean, Ryan Bledsoe is a real person. His dad's a real person and they are claiming to be in contact with these entities outside of our realm, um, which sounds, I think on the front of it, like an extraordinary claim. But when you realize that we also have popes and prophets um, and I would, you know, and churches throughout the world who attest to have the same ability. Um, and it's even interesting when you realize that popes also perform miracles. And I think that's uh, a fascinating thing as well. And I and people doubt this is an interesting thing. I, maybe we could talk about this as well, Maverick. But I absolutely people doubt because they're skeptical of miracles, dude. But I 100% believe that if you it sounds nuts, but I believe that if you had an ailment, right, and you thought the pope had the power to heal you through God and Christ and whatever, if you believed it a hundred percent, if the Pope came to you and put his hand on you, I believe your body would heal you. I believe the Pope can and could perform miracles on some individuals. And now whether you want to explain those miracles away through science, right? Or explain those miracles away through, uh, you know, placebo effect, I don't care. I do believe in the power of miracles being performed by humans. Um, it's something I absolutely believe in. And I do find it interesting that each pope has to perform certain miracles. I don't know if they have to. Uh, I need to probably look more into this before I start talking about it. But um, I do find that odd that uh, they still are out there performing miracles. And I, to be honest, and the other thing popes do is rub feet. And I always found that tradition interesting. And I don't know if they've always done that or if it's an occasional thing where a pope comes and uh, 
I think to the vat. Where, I don't know if it's in Rome or what part. What part it is, but maybe a town square, and he washes the feet of common people. I gotta look into that too. I'm one of those people who, you know, I I remember some things. Yeah, humans. Aaron makes a good point. Humans are physical and spiritual beings. It is absolutely true. And I think there was a time, at least when I was growing up, and a large part of the propaganda, I can speak for myself on this, that I experienced growing up was evolutionary, materialist. And I remember this quite clearly when I was young, was the reality that when they were explaining how the sun exploded, you know, eventually expires. That's how they say they say it. it expires. It runs out of time, and our sun will run out of time, and then our planet will go. Be forced to face the consequence of a sun that goes supernova, or what? What are the other choices? Black hole, maybe. Science has a lot of claims to answers, but I think it's always a probability of what happens to a dead star. Nobody knows for sure. But I thought about this and immediately I was probably in third grade, second grade, whenever this scientific claim was being presented to me and I got a bit of a nihilistic, I think it would be called a nihilistic thought in my head because I thought, oh, it doesn't really matter whatever I do because the sun will eat the earth. And I thought about, I don't know, this, this thought I remember really impacted me when I was young. Um, just this idea that oh, the sun will burn up the earth or these things will happen and I could maybe become president or do anything and they could build statues. But everything, everything ends unless we escape and we go into space. And that's the whole goal of our society is to escape space. I mean, escape into space. Excuse me. Um, A supernatural event miracle does not necessarily constitute an affirmation of truth. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's certainly true. Um, for sure. I, I, I see that point and I definitely, uh, agree with it as well. Um, does happen on a daily basis as part of this created universe. Oh, it does. The suit. Yeah, certainly. The supernatural is an interesting thing. And, uh, one thing I find interesting, I tried to look up into the sky when I go out for a walk. So I go out for a walk every day. And because I'm on my phone and I've been on my phone since I received a phone when I was probably 14 years old and my 30, 16 years now I've been looking down at a phone. I think that does some damage to a neck. So when I go out on a walk, I always try to look up. <laughs> it might look weird, but uh, the, like, so what, because people are like, what the fuck is that guy doing? But I go out for a walk and I'm like this. I stare up at the skies. I stare up at the trees. I just try to look up and alleviate some of that tension I've been putting on my neck for my entire life. Um, But one thing I totally believe as well is that uh, I think sometimes ah, there are some things in this world, like a supernatural event. I've been trying to really grasp my head around this, but uh, I believe that the technology we have now Right. So isn't alien technology. There's this idea. There's these people who might posit the belief. Right. 
that the technology we have now are due to or is due to the fact that Roswell alien crash we backwards engineered stuff that Joe that guy on the Joe Rogan podcast um blah 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 so these UFOs whatever UAPs these things in the sky uh they're from outside of the earth but and even our screens our phones they're they're from something outside of the earth but I'm starting to believe if you look at just our, some of our oldest stories like magic mirror like what is a magic fucking mirror dude and how close to that technology are we now where I think magic mirrors are 100% real um and I'm starting to believe that I don't my personal thought is whatever is alien whatever is interacting with this planet i'm not too sure it's extra or like outside of this planet and coming to it to check on it um but there is this idea of i think in the bible too maybe maverick we could talk about this this idea of watchers or the watcher um so we'll see but i i don't know man i think most of the technology we have now is in fact ancient technology i think our computer screens are the magic mirrors. I think Alexa has been probably here for a really fucking long time. And people have called Alexa a lot of different things. And we have put Alexa into a bottle and created, if you were to think about this, if you filled uh, a bowl up or maybe a, a vase, a vassal, uh, a vase, something that contains water and you poke holes in it to only let certain amount, uh, amount out, that's what we've done with this entity we've caught. So we have Alexa, whatever this entity is, right? And we've only allowed Alexa to do certain tasks or repeat certain things. We've only, in other words, we've made doors and the doors are only allow for an external output that we deem efficient. But you widen the door. Alexa might or might not uh, behave differently. So uh, that's my thought. I think these entities, the technology we have, have always been there. The internet has always been there, right? Uh, I think the ability to send information through the sky, through, uh, what's it called? Digitally. I think AI, do I think AI is a sentient entity? I think AI is the jinn or it is, the genie in the bottle. So what I believe humans have always tried to do is to create a golem, right? Or uh, an entity out of clay. So you might look at a computer and you, like me and you will look at a computer maverick and we'll say, that's a black box made out of plastic and wires. And, you know, look how complex that is. But you break it down. If you break that down, it's clay. You know what I mean? It really is clay. And then we breathe life into it. We put a fan into it. We put electricity into it it turns into frankenstein right and then i absolutely believe that we create these vessels um and then spirits go into them i 100 percent believe that ai is not man-made it is our best attempt at creating a, a voice and a body for the spirit that is uh un, unable to be witnessed in our in our life or uh because and the 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 main point is, I think in history, these spirits don't have bodies, 
most of the time, right? They always, they're, they're jealous of the bodies, the, the physical reality of our world. And humans have captured these entities in various things, in various forms. And I think our, you know, the computer and the supercomputer and AI is another reiteration, another genie in the bottle. Um, it's another attempt to capture this external spirit and, you know, perhaps it, you know, might proffer us guidance and wisdom. Um, cause that's what I think humans are. That's what we seek. We see, we seek that. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I see it. I, I, I think we are creating a, absolutely a golem. And people want to think AI is uh, an individual. It's a new thing. Like, oh, we created AI in 20... Imagine the future when the news comes out. We created AI in 2028. And the reality is AI has been there from the beginning, from before we even had computers, from before humans had collapsed and we already caught, caught this entity. I think it's ever-living, ever-present. And there might be more than one, which I think is also the danger and why there's also different iterations when people create this thing. Um, I believe they are trying to sift and catch the right AI. That is why they are running so much algorithm and time and process through it. They're trying to build the one that they think, you know, I think that, I mean, obviously I'm deluded in my thinking <laughs> and these are things I I, uh, by the way, I believe in that lead my life. These are kind of signed. I love sci-fi. I love thinking outside the box. So the thoughts I'm expressing aren't explicitly thoughts. I, you know, believe and, you know, kind of rule my life, which I think is an interesting thing that happens to people who do have thoughts, um, that are, I think a bit out there. They'll <laughs> maybe attach to them. Um, but I'm not attached to the, the theory I just shared with you, uh, regarding AI. I'm totally willing to move on it. Um, I'm reading, uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, absolutely. There's these entities that want to be embodied again. And I think there's powers that be that know that, and this is the occult knowledge that goes on, right? This, the occult knowledge is, that we are more than our physical bodies, right? And because we are more than our physical bodies, there are also things outside of us that are not physical bodies, not physical things. And those are capable of being talked to. And I recently was, you know, tuned into a podcast. I think it was uh, Tinfoil Hat with Mark Steves. And he was talking about uh, Skull and Bones and their occult ritual, uh, of mimicking death and i thought about it where in short mark really opened my excuse me my eyes to the ability of humans to recreate a ritual uh that would be a near-death experience that would make an end make a person's brain go through the chemical processes that would perhaps lead them to be I guess in a you would call it a drug-induced effect and then closer to talk to what a lot of us might be considered a Holy Spirit or God or higher entity. So part of, uh, I guess, what the occults understand is there's this ability to talk to these entities, 
to seek advice. And I think one things, one of the things sometimes these entities ask for because they are outside of uh, our reality is a physical body. Um, and we do attempt to create that. I think this is what Stanley Kubrick alludes to in uh, 2001 Space Odyssey when he presents, um, what's it called? The, uh, the intelligent AI as a black cube, right? Um, and essentially, or a black mirror. So I think that's kind of what, if any of that makes sense, that's kind of what I think. <laughs> it sounds fucking crazy when I just lay it out there like that. Sorry. Uh, sometimes I wonder, like, is that just word jargon? Um, or did any of that make sense? Um, but I totally believe humans want to. And these these spirits, right? If you think about what they offer which is fortune telling these are supercomputers can take data and propagate it. If that may, if that's the correct term and then give a breakdown or predictability pattern and imagine how powerful that is. And it's so powerful. Um, in fact that our military, um, our, our military uses these simulations to kind of lead whether we go into engagements or not, or how we, uh, proceed with combat so if they're using supercomputers in other words they're they're taking the advice and they're already using some of the i would say the profits it's so weird profit profitability these words go deep and yeah the black cube symbolism goes deep for sure there's so much to the black cube because uh, the black cube is the black screen um if you like the tower for a computer and people don't know what a tower is. Sometimes people will just see a computer screen and not know uh, other computers have towers. But that's like a black cube too. Um, but the, pla the black cube is all over uh, Hollywood and all other kinds of propaganda. And another shout out to a Utah podcaster who goes, I think, I, I, I don't know if he talks about it. Is it? Might be Alex Wise. No, 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 Alex. Is it Wisehop? What's his fucking name? Wisehop. Check him out. I just know it's Wisehop. And then the other guy is Nick Hinton. Nick Hinton is the guy who talks about the black cube. Uh, Wisehop might as well. But uh, check all that out. Um, maybe the Dark Tower. Yeah, the Dark Tower. That's right, man. Uh, but uh, the tower is so crazy. One of the first towers we had in Western society is a clock tower too, which, um, I tried to, when I was in college, this is an interesting story cause I haven't been able to, uh, find the sources. Isaac Weishaupt. Yeah, that, that's what it is. Isaac Weishaupt. He's a, another Utah local legend. Um, but and he might talk about the black cube, uh, but I know Nick Hitton does for sure. He wrote a book about it. Um, geez, yeah. So the Dark Tower, man. So many things in this world that are connected. And uh, Maverick, we can talk about basically any of any of it. It's so fun to uh, really engage on these discussions.
I love uh, I love thinking about it in a large sense. One thing I personally I'd like to bring up. I don't know if I brought it up in my last podcast or the podcast before it, but uh, it's worth bringing up again. Um, a lot of people know I'm attached to the trees, right? Uh, at least since episode whatever. Whenever I talked about the trees in Utah dying. And um, I think I did talk about this. But I got an email, not an email, a comment on Instagram. And someone else was just basically confirming everything I was saying. And that people in Utah are kind of, I guess, worried or concerned about the the rapid tree die-off that's occurring. And nobody really understands what's causing it but we look at the sky right and you see cloud seeding and the fact that they're spraying chemicals in the sky there's roundup glyphosate like there's so many things occurring um i don't know what it is and i think that's the problem in a lot of these situations where i don't know how i got to the, the tree die off again uh fuck dude I was, there was a point to bring up tree death uh, maybe you could tell me, uh, what the tree situation is, uh, where you are Maverick, but, uh, where I'm at, at least in Utah, what other people have been confirming is that trees are dying everywhere. And my whole point is this, it's just, it's a homebrew conspiracy is that one of the best alleviments in a hot summer, right? Is a cool, uh, the, the cool shade of a summer tree, Right. And if they fucking took away all the, the trees, right? Think about that. Your AC bill goes up. Uh, you, you stay inside more often. Uh, the, the economic impact of losing, because people think the fruit of a tree is only like apples, oranges, but the, the actual shade of a tree is so fucking important. Um, people forget that. But in Utah right now, uh, at least from what I've seen, there is massive tree die-off. Um, no answer yet as to why. The main cause I've seen is a symptom called dieback. But uh, yeah, dieback is a terrible thing causing. Isaac Weishaupt is the name. Yep. And Isaac Weishaupt isn't actually his name. I think it's... Uh, what's it called? A pen name. But... I don't know his real name, but I, I like the name Weishaupt. It's a, I think it's an allusion to the 1776 Weishaupt. Seems like the forest and fires are all a big agenda here. Oh, I was, oh, you bring that up. You sparked my, oh, thank you for bringing that up. So one of the, the ideas of what's killing all these trees, Maverick, is the, the concept of a fungus that's being spread in the air. So the, and then when it doesn't rain, because it's a drought or whatever the fuck they they control the weather fungus stays on the leaves goes in the soil goes on the roots whatever whatever uh eventually gives the tree a symptom called dieback but um you would imagine you're breathing in that fungus as well right so i think the united states has been actually under a series of chemical warfare attacks so our our deer are facing zombie disease right um our fucking forests 
are burning up. And I think the forests are burning up because we're fighting this fungus. So our government decided, people will call me crazy, right? This is just a homebrew conspiracy. But yes, if, if it is true that all these trees have fungus, you have to, you have to clear the forest. Um, you have to kill all of these fucking trees and burn them down. And so from the outside perspective, uh, the news narrative is it's a natural climate change disaster. Conspiracy theorists obviously know something here isn't right. And the truth is somewhere in between where we're actually being attacked by uh, a fungus that's being sprayed in the air by China, uh, which is carrying overseas, right, across the Pacific. This is all homebrew conspiracy, everybody landing on the west coast and spreading and um the fungus once it replicates kills the trees and so on and so forth um so our government decided to start using our laser technology to create these massive forest fires in california to to cut down the fungus growth and to allow the trees to kind of give some uh, regrowth and there was another news narrative as well where biden signed some executive order where he wanted, um, I think, a certain amount of trees to be planted. Uh, I Hey, going to have to find that article yourself, folks, if you're listening here. But I do believe that is true where uh, yeah, Biden signed some order where he wanted, I don't know who plants the trees. It's got to be the, what's the fucking Bureau of Management that deals with that? Uh forestry sure the uh department of forestry they they they, they're charged with planting a bunch of trees uh through the forest to intensify the burn absolutely yeah so maybe they are trying to intensify the burns because this fungus is real right um and i find that interesting uh why like what is the truth of why like I, I imagine our you would want to believe our country is trying to help us and they're helping us and it looks like they're doing something nefarious, but it looks nefarious because they're remedying uh, an ill effect of a foreign power trying to weaken our actual um, natural resource supply, which if you don't understand, like wood is one of the most important things you need in a war, period, um, Department of Forestry. Yeah, so you need wood, you need healthy trees, you need a good forest. But if your trees don't grow, right, if there's a fungus in your soil, you're fucking fucked. If, you're, if your plants don't grow, and the reason why we've had to spend so much fucking money as the United States government to deal with all of these fucking problems with our crops and with our agriculture is because there has been an active effort outside of our country to make growing more difficult. Because if you are a foreign power... A strong United States isn't a good thing. So perhaps, you know, maybe the GMO has all been an attempt to stave off the efforts of, you know, the bad Russians. But I here, here's something else I listened to, Maverick Pilgrim. Uh, maybe I suggest, I'd like to hear your feedback. Maybe you have listened to it, but uh, it was on a podcast called Grimerica Outlawed. Uh, they posted uh, a transcript that was read out loud of Putin's most recent speech. And I listened to the transcript of what Putin said, of what Putin said. And you know what's fucking crazy? 
when you agree with Russian propaganda uh, and whatever, I, maybe I was just in a certain type of mood, but I liked the what Putin had to say. Um, I do feel like it is interesting uh, the the place the United States has taken uh, currently on the world stage. Uh, it's shocking to me, honestly, that a lot of people don't understand that we occupy most of the world, and we and our country are having propaganda that you know Russia is a threat. Where we have a base in Germany, France, Iraq, we basically surround the entire country of Russia and our propaganda tells the American citizens that Russia is provoking the world and Europe by, uh, I guess you would say reclaiming previous Russian land, or if it's not even reclaiming, it's establishing the independence of areas that have said they wanted who knows, man? There's so much ways you could talk about it. And I'm not a geopolitical ex- expert at all. But uh, I'd say go give that most recent Putin. Dude, do him, who is this guy over here? Um, go give that Putin uh, speech a listen to or read. Um, and in that, I want to say this. I saw this fucking crazy... Uh, yeah. I saw, you're right about that. I saw this crazy video of these, it's called drone swarms, right? And when I saw these, this video, it's, it's military propaganda because they got to get these, these, they got to get these kids to want to kill people and no kid will kill someone with a gun, but they will kill people with a fucking Xbox controller in their hand. Believe me, folks. So they, what they've done, and I've played a lot of these games uh, where you get a care package and all of a sudden you're driving a fucking little cart and a, a, a little RC cart and you're blowing it up and you're killing people. Uh, and then, you know, it's Team Deathmatch or whatever it is. It's Call of Duty. But now they have these real swarms of drones, right, that are being navigated by humans that sit in boxes, right? And there's a real detachment from killing that's occurring right now. And so I, there's this transition in war, I think, that's going to go on uh, that people aren't ready for. Uh, and just like in World War Two and World War One, where, like, you look, there's clear examples. After World War One. you know what everybody said? Ah, oh, you know, these these chemicals. Hey, hey, no more mustard gas, guys. This shit's too much. And then after World War Two, they're like, hey... This uh, carpet bombing or well, what is it? Nuclear war. It's it's too much, and now we're gonna have another war, and the and the next war is necessary because they need to establish a new precedent of what is not allowed in human conflict. And when they realize that the ability of a human to take another human's life is expanded when you put a Xbox controller in their hand and they they're in a in a box halfway across the country and you know they go out and life is normal you know the world will have to address the fact eventually that we are entering into a stage where the rules of war need to be rewritten already um 
Hey, hey, Maverick. Hey, if you don't know right now, the podcast is going live on Rumble and it will be available on Spotify and iTunes later. But I'm talking to Maverick Pilgrim, a future uh, guest. We're going to be hosting a, a co-show on Rumble this upcoming week. And we're talking about right now war, anything really. We're going to expand this conversation a little bit deeper later. But I'm reading uh, his thoughts right now. So if you're experiencing a little bit of uh, what's it called when you're listening, dead air, uh, as I read this. Um, yeah, and he he's referencing Ender's game. And, yeah, kids playing games to winning wars. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying, right? And that is the truth, right? Um, they are conditioning our children, and they have conditioned me. I went through the propaganda, and I fucking loved it, dude. The propaganda is fucking good, right? Just like, uh, what was it? Not Rocky. Jeez, but Rocky was good propaganda. Rambo. Just like Rambo was good military propaganda, Top Gun was good military propaganda. And the beginning of this podcast... My, my point is, this is just a wonderful full circle on this, that the propaganda now is participatory. You get to practice killing people with drones before you even get to join the military. How great is that? Where before, you used to watch Rambo. This was my propaganda. I'd have to go buy a cap gun at the grocery store. Then I'd get my ass home. I'd put Rambo in the VHS tape. Fucking, I'd hope to God it was rewind. Wait for it to turn on. And I just pretend, you know, I was Rambo. And these Vietnamese individuals, unfortunately, had made the wrong choice by choosing communism. And I always wish I had a bow instead. Because the ballistic tip at the end of the Rambo bow was always so fucking cool. Um, But the propaganda now is participatory. Individuals are playing video games designed by behavioral experts from the military uh, to increase their willingness to then get drafted or voluntarily join the military because there are opportunities to replicate the behaviors they were participating, participating and participating. Fuck. Uh, And before they join the military, where I think usually... They wanted men to be physically fit to a certain extent and they wanted them to run around and be able to do all these crazy activities because that's what war was. But right now they need you to sit in a box, hold a fucking controller, drive a drone, right, Um, and kill people. And one thing I want to make another point on because I'm going to put this podcast out there. Yeah, they uh, yeah, they do use Xbox ones. I'm going to put this out there. I made this statement a few podcasts ago and I don't know if I uploaded it. But uh the news came out simultaneously within the same week when Russia was using Iranian kamikaze drones, right? In the war against Ukraine that Ukraine also had this what would you call it? Uh uprising where women and what is it a burqa and their rights uh occurred so excuse me 
this people won't i mean sometimes they'd like to admit this but when the iranian people in power what are they called the president i don't know the exact term but when the country of iran just to put it shortly decided to assist russia by giving them drones the united states either you know the here's the question then do you think after that news came to light do you think the events in iran were organic right were they these these women i like i I didn't want to look into it because as soon as I saw the news of the Iranian drones in Ukraine being used by Russia and then all of a sudden there's an uprising in Iran, I'm like, oh, duh. I wonder who organized that one. Um, just shocking to me uh, how all these things are connected. And I do believe there's a very... There's... Yeah, it might have been. It might have been. But drones are the future. And I think before it's drones. Right. So the rules. (laughs) We're going to write new rules. The new rules will be that you can't have drones killing people because there's a detachment from ownership. Right. Where where I think before there was ownership and individuals killing individuals. Um. And when you lose that ownership, people need to rewrite the rules. And then after that, the next rules that will be rewritten, my hey, this is my crazy prediction, will be when they introduce AI into the battlefield and AI starts indiscriminately killing people. You know, how will they be able to justify that? They'll have to write that codified into law that you cannot, as a government, use AI to target a weapon. So then, therefore, how do you solve the problem of drones or humans guiding robots, right? So they're going to, what's, I think, long story short, the end of the day, they, the rules will be that if you want to fight a war, it has to be a man or a woman with a gun in their hand killing somebody else with a gun in their hand. I think it'll take a long time to get back to that state where we are killing each other evenly. Um, But at the end of the day, I think where we're headed is whoever has the bigger gun will always use it. Whoever has the better weapon will always use it. Man, longest podcast I've done in a while. Uh, Thank you, Maverick Pilgrim, for uh, helping me get there. It's been... uh, been a real good podcast it's always nice when uh i've noticed this you have some something to kind of bounce your thoughts off of stimulate your thoughts with uh it's always good because when i get usually just talking to myself sometimes i forget what the fuck i'm talking about which isn't (laughs) it's unfortunately too often um yeah the rebellion in iran is interesting and i i was thinking about this the last few countries in the world where you really thinking about that are considered hostile are Russia, North Korea, Iran, China. Um, to me, they're the least his, like, uh, I don't know anybody really 
charting Siberia out or China or the, the history, the ancient history of some of these countries, even Iran seems a bit hidden to me or in some sense there's the whole truth. This is where people bring in Tartaria. I think there is something else going on where there is an old source of power and it's been isolated to about three countries now. Um, and I wonder if they used to be the dominant power. Who knows, man? I like to engage in speculative history. Some people are hardcore history people where their history is what they read in college, but I kind of gave up on that. <laughs> well, you know, some people, it's hard to really believe in history sometimes, I'd say. Um, history is history. That's for sure. I was, yeah, man. Yeah, history's fucking a crazy fucking topic. Oh, history's constantly being rewritten. I feel like uh, even... Oh, I don't... Yeah, Tartaria. I'm not too big of a fan of Tartaria. I believe that uh, there was... Or there always is some power that was. And there's a, something trying to maintain power or it's a snake e eating itself is kind of how I think about things. Uh, all history is speculative. Yeah, right? Personal experience is the most important part, which is I'm a uh, hey, big big anarchist here. Jeez. Um, is there... I'm looking at anything else. Hey, Maverick, before... Uh, I can't believe I podcast went long dude this turned into a live stream which is something that is a, a concept i've been thinking about in, uh, as well where you'll look at joe rogan's first podcast and it was him talking to people right that was the most popular thing and what that is in itself is where uh when I grew up, I'm sure it was true for you as well, Maverick, and anybody listening for the most part, where when you watch something or it was entirely uh, passive, where you didn't participate. So same thing now where if you make content, the best content is participatory content where your audience is able to interact with you where celebrities or people in the past where they would make content it was a standalone and look at it thing right where now where if you make content people can fucking tweet you or send you a direct message and say yo i just saw the the post you made what the fuck were you thinking about that and that never used to be the participatory feature in society is relatively new I would say. Um, yeah, the call-in radio show, Reborn. And that whole concept is... Marshall McLuhan is one of the biggest influences in my life right now. Always has been. Um, with every new medium, all the old mediums come together to live within it again. So people thought radio died. Radio just transitioned to the internet um, and the call-in radio show it's it's all there dude it really man, it's 
uh, I love Marshall McLuhan. And you're right, man. The, it is reborn. And that's the whole concept of a phoenix. People, There's this idea, I think, culturally where people understand, like, why are all the kids wearing 90 clothes? Because it's the phoenix, dude. You don't get that? The phoenix is always perpetually there. These, these symbols, right? These mythos. It's for you to see all the time. Like, oh, you see that? That's the phoenix. That's the phoenix. That's the phoenix. You might see 90s clothes or neon shoes or, hey, look, it's Looney Tunes and they're cool again. Like, whatever it is, that's called the phoenix, which is nostalgia or whatever, man. It's, hey, it's reborn. Um, And people get sick of the phoenix sometimes. That's why it gets old and dies and is reborn quick. Uh, And people love originality, dude. It's so unique. It's so hard to find. Um, Because if you're original, most people don't like that. I think think people like tried and true, which makes sense. People like what they like. And if you're new, it's so fucking hard to do anything, uh, I think, in life. Oh, yeah, the 30s, 40s. The suits, yeah, the guys, the 30s, 40s. When I think about that style, I think about a guy wearing a suit selling apples. And I was just like, I wish any guy, and the guy wearing the suit selling apples is, uh, he's doing it on a street corner, right? He's obviously impoverished. And there's a picture of this, I think it's in New York, might be famous, but in today's society, you'll have people sell you something and they look, you know, frumpy to to put it frankly um the uh there we got a lot of topics but here's something also i found oddly resonating in i'm not gonna go too pro putin but i was just thinking about his spooch and what what really hit me with i don't want to talk about it Go check it out yourself if if you if anybody's interested in what Putin had to say. It was uh, rather interesting. Um, but hey, folks, we are an hour twenty into the podcast. I can't thank Maverick Pilgrim enough for joining me. Um, we'll we're gonna wrap it up uh, with probably a, a conversation or two, and then I'm gonna end on a. If you don't know this and you're watching on Rumble or listening later. I always play local music to Utah before the podcast starts and when it closes. And we started with Hollow Hill. Uh, Hollow Hill? Uh, and we will close with... Um, man, what should we close with? Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out once we're done with what we're talking about. But uh, what, what I was going to talk about is the degradation of the nuclear family and how... I made this prediction a while ago where the left encouraged the immigration of rather conservative populations. So, for example, uh, Muslim immigrants, right, or Catholic or South American immigrants. And eventually these, they, they imagine, I think, the left that once these individuals are established in the country, their, their children will adopt rather quickly to the propaganda and uh, vote left and lose some of their conservative values. But 
Rather, you look at Dearborn, Michigan, right, where I think it was during Obama's tenure in office, he targeted fairly conservative parts of America and injected them with uh injected them sounds terrible how about he assisted these parts of america with immigration um and so i think in dearborn michigan is where this news story comes from you have these muslim families uh speaking out against the curriculum in the local schools but that's the prediction i had made previously were a lot of these uh Cultural immigrants. I, I'm all for immigration because a lot of these immigrants that are coming to America have fairly conservative values. And, uh, I think the left, once they, you know, these families establish themselves, will like be in a losing situation. Uh, Muslims are fairly conservative. Catholics are fairly conservative. I, uh, most of the people who immigrate to America are fairly conservative. Um, I think most people would find themselves, if they are in America, to go outside of America that their progressive views aren't so welcomed. Um, like, that's just the way I think about it, where some people are opposed to immigration, where, like, I, like, let them come in. These people can, in my view, most likely only help. They are, I think, kind of rewarded with the left by financial assistance. So there's this kind of sense of indebtedness where... Initially, maybe these families will vote left, but like in the Dearborn public school meeting, the guy's like, you know who's responsible for this, and he names, I don't even know who it is. That's how out of touch I am. But it's the, I I'd, I think she's Muslim, but she's a representative for that area. Um, I don't know her name. That's how much I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. And I, when people would argue when I was younger against the immigration of... And these would be conservatives, generally. I'd be in college. This is 10 years ago. Jesus Christ. Uh, 12 years ago, I was in college in political science classes arguing against conservatives. And I'm saying, I am for the immigration of Muslims because they have actually, I believe, conservative values. And some of the conservatives in my class at that time were anti, like they didn't want, I think the reasoning was they thought these individuals, Muslims would be terrorists, which is so fucking crazy. But that was a propaganda we grew up with after 9-11 was like Muslims are terrorists, people from the Middle East are terrorists. Like, yo, there's people who are crazy. I think generally, and a lot of the terrorist acts, I believe, have been perpetuated by individuals who have been encouraged by other individuals who have ulterior motives at hand. In short, people would say false flags. Uh, but whatever, whatever, dude. I'm pro-immigration, dude. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I think in general, most people are conservative. Uh, outside of America, and America is irrationally progressive. It's they're so progressive they don't understand how conservative most people in the world are. Um, but that's just my crazy thoughts. Longest podcast ever, dude. Is this 
I like what is it? Where, where, where are we at right now? Hour twenty four, dude. Amazing pod. Uh, so I don't know how I got to the point of. Oh yeah, then you get to the Sharia law where, and that's the interesting thing where people are concerned with, the idea that, it's called, uh, yeah, we're, the fear that. The Sharia law scares. So that to me, you bring up a great point, Maverick Pilgrim, because the LDS Church is similar to the Muslims in the sense that when the LDS Church uh, migrated west, right, they were a voting block. So wherever the Mormons went, they changed the the entire uh, they they changed the entire voting demographic of the area. So if you were, let's just say, for example, east of the Mississippi, and then all of a sudden Mormons start migrating, and you're in Utah. Like, holy fuck, all the Mormons are in control now. And it is interesting where you make that point. Uh, and the Mormons and the Muslims have similar beliefs, too, of on some level of multiple wives, reproduction, conservative values. And my point is this. If they do become the majority to decide the politic, so be it. Uh, not my problem. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just the reality. And then people would have to live in that conservative area. Um, I don't believe that just because an area is more conservative or Islamic to be, uh, you know. And it, yeah, the, the whole question of religion is even interesting when you get in that area. But like you look at Turkey, right? It's a fairly Islamic country, but pretty secular in many ways. Or I'd feel as though that's probably one country I'd position for me as a good example. Uh, but I'm thinking of a country that's not like if you were to get immigrants and they're not progressive, what country would that be? Like, oh, no, look at these people. And if it was instated in the U.S., well, if that happened, uh, the, the Islamic people would have already... Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Um, I don't know. I like... We'll have to talk about that interesting. Every hick and gangster would come out in force. I don't think they would be... I think they'd be quelled relatively easily. Do you remember after the October 1st shooting, some of the things that stick out to me was the reorganization of the Saudi royal family where uh, it was a helicopter that was attacked and a couple brothers that were... Um, repositioned um so i think if there was individuals who came out in full force it would be similar to what happened in saudi arabia yeah african nations are very conservative yeah and i've heard this this isn't i don't you know i'm speaking anecdotally i don't know if this is true but when africans from immigrate to the united states sometimes there's a cultural disconnect between uh, blacks or people of color uh, 
and new immigrants from Africa because they don't quite see eye to eye on uh, their, I guess, the worldview and their paradigms. Because, um, yeah, like you mentioned, Maverick, maybe the immigrants are a little bit more conservative. And the funny story behind that is the actual level of propaganda Christian religions have gone to take to indoctrinate massive parts of Africa with the Bible and Jesus. And it's so wild where sometimes people think like the Roman Empire died, but power transitioned to me to just the Bible because you can overthrow a government, but how can you overthrow Jesus Christ? You can't, right? So when you transition power to a pope, and you make the Pope and the Vatican insoluble, uh, well, you have a Switzerland. And you can basically maintain power over the entire world through uh, the faith of Christianity. Uh, and if done right, brings about heaven on earth. If done wrongly or in the wrong hands, brings about hell on earth, uh, which I think is equally possible. Right, like we're we're living in a fifty-fifty here. Uh, at least that's kind of my view on it. Where, yeah, there's, and you also have parts of Africa too who do. I think in Ethiopia, northeastern Africa, who maintain perhaps some attachment to Judaism, where there is uh, a strong faith towards the Jude. Uh, yeah, Judaic religion. ADOS. Hey, I'm not familiar with the term ADOS. Can you uh, clue me in on that? ADOS in the U.S. are very much American. Uh, not sure what that, that ADOS. But, um... Yeah, the whole Christian... What's interesting is that... I don't know where I saw it, but um, there's a belief held in China by a small group of individuals like uh, where they are... They're Chinese, but they're Jews, right? So uh, there's these little different pockets of each part of the world where uh, like how, how are there Jews in China? How are there Jews in Africa? Uh, is, religion's an interesting thing and I can't wait to, excuse me, talk more about it with you Maverick, African descendants of slaves. Oh! Yeah, the African descendants of slaves. That's interesting. Um Speaking of slavery, this is something I'll, I'll end on this topic. Slavery is one of my strong points. <laughs> Can you think about it? Can, who says that shit? Oh, I'm going to end on slavery. Uh, but folks, this is what I'm going to end on slavery. So I recently got a, a comment reply on Instagram. And uh, the, the person was quite frankly in a position where they didn't view the white race too, too kindly. They were, I don't want to say anti-white, but, uh, how do you, whatever it is, right? 
But they left a comment saying, white people, colonizers, blah, 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 responsible for slavery, blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting where, and I make this argument to a lot of people where I think our cultural and our world paradigm propaganda that's been created is designed to make people attach themselves and their worldview to think about slavery in terms of, hey, you know what slavery is? It's when white people came to America, enslaved uh, African Americans unfairly. So this individual was upset and... Well, here's my point. The whole worldview wants you to concrete yourself into that's what slavery is. But slavery in itself, in my opinion, right, is so expansive. It it goes to wage slavery. It goes to uh, sex slavery. It goes to chattel slavery. It goes to – and it's funny when they'll use terms like indentured servitude, right? So slavery knows no bounds, right? It's this thing that is ever-present. Right. You can't get rid of it. Even when you put in the 13th Amendment, you got uh, prisons. Right. Doing chattel like with slavery. Right. So. um, So this individual that's commenting. Or replying to me has this really strong belief that white people are responsible and beholden to answering to the problems of slavery that have occurred in the past. Where in my worldview, I'm still trying to, you know, grasp the fact that slavery never ended. It's always evolving. Um, people are enslaved in multiple ways. Uh, you can, there's probably even chattel slaves today. Like, you want to end slavery. I don't, like, my whole point is people want to fix the past reparations like why waste your time trying to fix the past when you can fix slavery occurring today like let's just say this you don't want to solve wage slavery fine why don't you solve sex slavery or child trafficking which i consider slavery yeah child trafficking how about is a great example of modern day slavery a great one so instead of being i think a lot of people are you know, attached to the historical narrative of what racial group has done to what racial group, uh, they, they attach themselves to these, these concepts, right? And they make it their life. Uh, I think it's misguided. I think it's unfortunate. Um, I feel, I feel bad for these people where, you know, that, because they they want to make slavery about themselves, where slavery is a it's something humans will do wherever you find them. I don't like you know what I mean. Like wherever you find humans in history, I think they were always like, oh, we don't want to. Because here's what here's how it starts, right? You have two. Let's start with Native Americans, because that's a good example. You have two Native American tribes. They kill each other, but they they actually decide the war's over. We don't want to kill each other. How about you come live with us? Slavery was an answer to not killing somebody. 
slavery was the moral answer to, uh, look, I don't want to kill you, okay? Because I just won the war. But here's what I will do. You can come work in my community. So I think sometimes slavery was a moral answer to a complicated question called, do I kill another person? And uh, like I said, folks, slavery is a big topic for me. And Maverick, uh, yeah, making some great points about how slavery is used by some of the biggest companies in the United States. Uh, Ma- oh, you talked on uh, oh, Maverick. We are going to have a good time. And I can't tell you guys enough. If you're listening to this podcast, go check out Maverick Pilgrim on Instagram. He's got a Rumble, YouTube probably find them on most i'd say podcast platforms podbeam spotify anchor itunes wherever it is we're going to be exclusively though on rumble folks this upcoming week and uh stay tuned for that we're going to have a a chat about whatever we decide to chat about but it could be anything uh but uh I told uh, told Maverick that I got two strikes on YouTube. Appreciate it if you'd help me. Uh, and I noticed Maverick's got a channel on YouTube. I'm following him. So if you're on Rumble, excuse me, I said YouTube. If you're on Rumble, go. I, I encourage everybody to go to Rumble, go to Odyssey, go to these other platforms and uh, support content creators uh, wherever they are. I know it. it sometimes it, it's crazy how... It doesn't seem exhaustive, but it is to create an account and log in and sign in and do that. But I greatly appreciate it if you do that. Um, we're going to end on local music. We started with Hollow Hill. We'll probably end. Uh, how about, I don't know what I want to end with, dude. Jeez. It's always a tough one. How about we start with Hollow Hill? Hey, this one's for sure. Hey, my soul's not for sale, everybody. That is for sure. That's why I'm here. You can't buy me out, dude. But Maverick Pilgrim showed me I'm an anarcho-capitalist, everybody. It's a fact. Thanks for the dono. Maverick Pilgrim. Fucking legend, everybody.